0: Evening, everybody. See you all. Um, So uh, yeah, hello. I'm Matt. If you don't know me, uh, I'm not a reader, but Chris and John let me loose uh, here once in a while on a Sunday evening, and uh, it's good to see you all. Good to see you guys back from camp. It's um, been great to see your photos on Facebook and stuff um, over this past week, and uh, my heart still aches when I see those uh, that I haven't been with you this week. So, but it's been great here. Uh, some of the stuff that's been going on. Uh, already tonight so um, onwards can we have the first picture yeah so if you're uh, if you're a football fan um, this summer hasn't quite been the glorious summer of sport uh, that we're all hoping uh, it would be but uh, we've got the Olympics around the corner and we have Andy Murray Um, before he won his first Wimbledon back in 2013 um, uh, he said um, what was it after before or after anyway So around 2013 he said, uh, but then after I won there, okay this is after right, so he's just won his first Wimbledon, (laughs) but then after I won there I didn't quite know where to go or what I was trying to do, it felt like this was all I was meant to do really. Um, So he'd just won his first Wimbledon and he'd kind of got what he wanted but then he wasn't sure where to go after that. And uh, he's done all right since. Um, He's won a couple more Grand Slams. He won Wimbledon again uh, this summer. And uh, straight after he won Wimbledon this year, he said that his ambition uh, was now to become world number one. So that's what he's going for next. We quite often hear about sports people and their goals and their ambitions. Um, But it's not just sports people, obviously. Uh, There are other people who are ambitious in life and... Um, just the other day, uh, James Corden uh, did an interview with The Guardian. Um, and uh, so James Corden, um, if you don't know, he at the moment he hosts a late night uh, chat show in America. Uh, and I think he's doing all right. Um, and in this interview he's kind of talking about his, uh, his insecurities really and, and the stuff that's going on uh, in his uh, life over in the States at the moment. And um, he said... Um, in this article. I genuinely couldn't tell you how many people watch our show because I feel like in this slot we're not really in the ratings business. We're just in the relevance business. My major ambition is just to stay relevant. That's it. To be in the conversation. That's all that was ever asked of us, really. Um, So his ambition is just purely to stay relevant to uh, the people who choose to watch his TV show Um, Late night in America In a fiercely competitive uh, Cutthroat world Uh, He just wants to um, Stay in the conversation And be relevant So tonight we are thinking About ambition um, And I think this is kick-starting A new sermon series in the evening uh, Called the Bible and something So tonight is the Bible and ambition People, me, you are naturally ambitious. You might say that you're not ambitious in a career sense, uh, or that earning lots of money is one of your top priorities. But we all experience some strong desires to achieve something at any one time. And what that is may well change during the different seasons of our lives, or we might have different things that we want to achieve at any one time. So your ambition right now might be um, to get to a particular university uh, when you get your results in a few weeks' time, to get your ideal job, to achieve a promotion at work, to earn X amount of money, to buy a nicer car, to visit a particular country in the world, uh, to get into sixth form, to get your child into Cooper and Jordan school, uh, to be an awesome worship leader, uh, or to capture that rare Pokemon. The world teaches us, doesn't it, to go all out to be the best, but to what end and to whose gain? And that's what we're going to be thinking about tonight. Ambition in itself isn't a bad thing. It's good to be an- ambitious, it's good to, uh, to want to uh, fulfil our potential, uh, and it's good, I think, to set some achievable goals to help you along the way. But the problem clearly lies with what we're ambitious about. Now, the Greek word for ambition is philotim, which means to esteem or to honour. And it's what we esteem or honour, and our motives for doing so, that can be a problem when it comes to ambition. So I know somebody whose um, main ambition is um, really driven by money. Uh, he's a guy who, who used to work for me, and I'm still in touch with him. Um, and he's got a figure in his head of the sum of money that he wants to earn in his next job. But what happens when he gets that job? What happens when he gets that, um, that sum of money? What happens when he gets that, that salary? Will he be satisfied? I suspect that he'll just add another 10 grand onto that and go again. And before I go any further, I just want to say a few words about, about work for those of you uh, who are in work and, and you know, building careers, um, just because that's one of the most common things that we're ambitious about. Um, and for some of you, work right now might just be a means to an end and you've got ambitions to get a new job because you want a fresh challenge or maybe uh, you need some more money to support your family. For others, um, your job might be where you are following your passion and where your skills and your talents are being put to great use, uh, where you're handsomely rewarded for the work that you do, and where you've got ambitions to be even more successful. It's okay to be ambitious in your work, um, whatever your situation. After all, it's where we spend over half of the waking hours in our our week. So it's okay to be ambitious uh, in your work. But the challenge is really not to allow your ambition at work or at school or when you're going to college or university to be your number one thing. Um, In the first letter to uh, Thessalonians, um, so uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11, uh, it says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to do work with your hands. Now you might read that and think, Well, you know, job's not important, I just need to do something and keep my head down and get on with it and and kind of uh, be nice and quiet. But I think maybe, I think probably what Paul's saying there is, um, if you're going to shout about something, don't shout about your work. There are other things to shout about. And this is something that I've struggled with uh, personally over the past uh, couple of years, um, where I allowed work to be my number one thing at times. Um, I thought that Having a certain job or working for a particular company gave me some kind of prestige or won me uh, respect from others. And actually, over the past year, God has uh, challenged me on that and has taught me not to place such an emphasis on on my job. Um, And crucially for me, um, I've been challenged not to uh, allow my job and my work to define who I am. That's what God is challenging me about. Um, so I think that's often the trap when it comes to work it's that your work often uh, defines who you are um, and the Bible warns against that so what does the Bible say about ambition? Um, it doesn't actually say a great deal directly it actually says more about uh, selfish ambition Um, God knows that we've got a problem with this and so uh, the Bible talks uh, quite a bit about it Uh, so I know last week on camp uh, that you guys were looking at the fruit of the spirit um, and uh, looking at Galatians 5 and I'm not sure if you looked at this kind of pre- these preceding few verses uh, I'm getting a few nods so this is the kind of counterbalance to the fruit of the spirit right? This is, uh, you know, the fruit of the spirit is, is what is born out in our lives when we've got the spirit of God living in us uh, this is the, the counterbalance uh, the, this, these preceding few verses and he call- Paul calls these the acts of the flesh right Um, So you can see them all there. There's there's lots of different things that are kind of hallmarks of our lives when the Spirit of God isn't dwelling in us. Um, And some of those things, uh, all of these things can come to the surface and uh, these are the kind of uh, characteristics that, um, that we can display if we haven't got the Spirit of God living in us. And selfish ambition is right there in the middle of it. So this is clearly an issue that God wants to address in our lives. You see, many of our ambitions are temporary, they're fleeting, uh, they're centred on ourselves and our own desires. And through people's ambitions, we can often get a glimpse of their deepest personal needs and the things that um, they choose to strive for in order to meet those things. All too often, we look to things that we think will mean that those around us will admire or respect us more, things that will draw people to us, make us more popular, uh, things that will mean we can accumulate more possessions uh, to fill some kind of hole in our lives. Selfish ambition um, is self-seeking. It's looking out for our own needs and wants above others uh, and placing esteem or honour on things other than God and his will for our lives. And there are so many things, not just work, uh, in this world that vie for our energy, attention and focus. So just to look at a few more um, places in the Bible where uh, it talks about selfish ambition. So in Philippians 2, um, Paul warns that selfish ambition is a real threat to harmony in the church. And he urges his readers to be humble and united. So where there's selfish ambition uh, in a church, um, yeah, that can cause a lot of disunity. um, And we warned against that. And earlier in Philippians as well, Paul um, talks about uh, some people who preach Christ out of envy and rivalry and out of selfish ambition. So there were even some people, um, when uh, when Paul was doing his missionary journeys, uh, that had the wrong motives even when it came to to preaching. Um, So it's possible to have the wrong motives even when we think that sometimes we're serving God. There were preachers around who preached out of a sense of competition with Paul and tried to make uh, life more difficult for him when he was in prison. And you know, I, I don't doubt for one minute that they were conscious of that, um, but, uh, but that's what was happening. So there's a warning there for us as a church as well, um, that when selfish ambition um, comes to the surface, then we've got a problem uh, in our church and, and you know, whatever fellowship group that we're in. And then in the space of a few verses in James chapter 3, uh, the writer talks about selfish ambition twice. He says, for where you have uh, envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So James is clearly uh, warning us there not, uh, that it's not wise to have selfish ambition. And then he goes on to talk about true wisdom, uh, and this gives us a hint uh, about how we should think about our priorities and ambitions. He says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So that's the wisdom that comes from heaven that can shape our desires and our priorities and our ambitions. So that's the problem of selfish ambition uh, as the Bible lays it out for us. And to find a solution to this problem, I want to look at two men in the Bible, uh, the first being Paul and uh, let's have a look at the passage that Hannah uh, read for us earlier Uh, because in this passage we learn about Paul's ambition. So this passage comes towards the end of Paul's letter to the Romans um, where he's kind of wrapping things up and he's outlining his future travel plans and by this point Paul had undertaken three missionary journeys around the eastern Mediterranean so there's a little diagram there so uh, you can see kind of where he went to um, and, uh, and the different places he visited. Um, and in the, uh, in the passage that we uh, heard tonight, um, he wrote that he uh, has presented the gospel from Jerusalem to Illyricum, uh, which was on the western Adriatic seaboard of Macedonia. So that's kind of right at the top, just left of centre. Um, and it's where, uh, roughly where Albania is today in parts of the former Yugoslavia. So you can see actually from, from that little map that there are no arrows going up there and Acts doesn't actually um, tell us about any occasion where, where Paul actually made it up to um, Illyricum. Uh, but um, there is space in the timeline of Acts to allow for Paul to get there. Um, there's a two year gap between him leaving Ephesus and embarking for Jerusalem. Uh, so it's conceivable that, you know, he probably didn't go into that country, but he probably made it to the to the border uh, in some kind of roundabout way. But what's important to us about these missionary journeys, so uh, rather than the, the detail of where he, he did or didn't go, um, is Paul's motivation, clearly. Um, so if, if you look at verse 20, he says, My ambition has always been to preach the good news of where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. Paul was a pioneer. Again and again, he found himself standing in synagogues and marketplaces, in private houses and in public halls, before magistrates and rulers and ordinary folk in towns and villages. And he was telling them about the extraordinary news that there was one true God, rather than the multiplicity of pagan deities that people worshipped at the time. And this one true God made the world, still loves it, and was bringing it justice and hope, and that this God, to fulfil that plan, had sent his own son to suffer the fate of a rebel against the empire, and now to be enthroned as the world's true Lord. Paul's strategy was to evangelise the populace in influential cities and plant churches there, and then he kind of left others to go out into the countryside um, and and kind of plant more churches and, and, and spread the gospel message there. Paul's calling and his gift was as an apostle, um, an apostle to the Gentiles, so that the non-Jewish people. Um, and he was to pioneer the evangelisation of the, the Gentile world. And he felt so strongly about his calling and his goal and his ambition that in verse 22 he wrote that he'd been delayed in actually going to Rome to visit the church to whom he was writing uh, because he wanted to complete his trailblazing pioneer preaching of the gospel in the Eastern Mediterranean. So a few things to note about Paul's ambition and um, how he thought about things uh, in this this sphere. Firstly, um, the first thing to note is that he was unwavering in his pursuit of it. The world pulls us in so many different directions and our dreams and ambitions often shift like sand. Paul's ambition to preach the gospel was steadfast, though, to the extent that he delayed his journey to the biggest cultural and religious centre of the time, to finish off the job that he thought God was calling him to do. He was clear in his thinking that he didn't want to go over grounds that had been trod by other missionaries, preferring instead to bring the gospel message to people who'd never even heard it before. And, in fact, his desire to go to Rome, even though um, there there was clearly a lot of stuff going on there, if you read uh, Romans 1, uh, verses 11 and 12, he got a different strategy for going to Rome. Uh, He talks about some kind of mutual encouragement rather than to do primary evangelism. So he was really clear and unwavering uh, about his goals and ambitions. The second thing to note is uh, that he was successful in achieving his ambition we read that God worked miracles uh, through him because of his appetite to open up the Gentile world to the Gospel. His missionary trips were often fraught with danger and he was regularly imprisoned. And in fact, by the time he eventually made it to Rome, uh, he was under house arrest. But in Philippians, Paul wrote, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And lives were won and churches were planted through his work and his influence is still felt today as we study his letters. And the third thing to note about Paul's ambition uh, is that um, his, it was in his service to Christ, um, He uh, not in his calling, miracles or passion for which he undertook, undertook the task, he boasted in Christ, he gave the glory to God. He didn't, uh, he didn't boast in his own abilities, he didn't boast about the miracles he'd done, uh, he didn't boast uh, about the passion for which he undertook, undertook the task he points all the time to Jesus as we see in this passage um, in verses 17 and 18. Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. So when you're thinking about your ambition, ask yourself, will achieving my ambitions further the kingdom of God? How committed am I following them and am I expectant that God will work through me to bring success and when I am successful will I remember God's grace in working through me in this way I mentioned uh, that I wanted to look at two men uh, in light of this subject tonight so we've looked at Paul and obviously the other one is Jesus Jesus' ambition was to live out the perfect will of the Father and he did that to the bitter end Uttering, it is finished, hanging on the cross, Jesus had accomplished all that the God the Father had wanted him to do. Fulfilling the Father's will was of the utmost importance to Jesus, and in doing so, he glorified God. Paul endured hardships, uh, but none suffered more than Jesus. Jesus was born of poor parents; He didn't amass worldly, worldly possessions. He had neither earthly power nor status, and he was put to death. He could have had it all. He was the Son of God. When he was in the wilderness, the devil offered him everything. Um, He could have had wealth, he could have had power beyond comprehension, but Jesus refused it in order that he might fulfil his father's will. At the time, Jesus appeared a failure, but in fact he laid the foundations for God's kingdom and for our relationship with God today. So we therefore should work towards accomplishing what God desires of our lives and because of what Jesus has done for us we can be free of the trap of selfish ambition God calls us to say no to selfish ambition and personal and and worldly desires Jesus had one basic ambition which was to be pleasing to God Paul's ambition as we read tonight was more specific but it's basically the same thing it won't be easy for us as both Paul and Jesus uh, can attest to in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, Paul says that our aim is to please Him always, whether we are here in this body or away from this body. Kind of saying whether it's whether things are good or bad for us at the moment, our aim is to please Him. And we've already heard tonight that for Paul, to live was to Christ, and to die was to gain. Is your ambition to be pleasing to God? Affirming it is easy. It's easy for us to sit here tonight and say, yeah, that's what I want. But do we understand its meaning and its implications? Are we ready for the cost of true discipleship, whatever it may involve, whatever it may cost, whatever the pain? It demands a serious commitment from us. I've heard tonight that several people made commitments on camp, which is awesome. Uh, most, if not all of you here, uh, sitting at the front uh, and your wife is at the back have made a commitment to follow Christ at some point through your time at AYF. What is your ambition uh, within that? And I've got a challenge uh, for you in particular. Um, My challenge for you is to think about AYF's motto, um, through friendship, through fellowship to Christ. And my challenge for you uh, is to have an ambition around that last bit, around living out the will of Christ in your lives, Through many kind of years of involvement through YF, Um, I've been on some amazing camps. I've seen God move in the lives of of teenagers. Um, I've known of fantastic friendships, awesome times of fellowship, um, great worship, um, you know, real heartfelt commitments at the time. Uh, But then, as the years go by, that last bit kind of fades away. Um, And you know, some of my closest friends uh, still talk fondly about their their time in, in YF and the friendships that they had, and the fellowship that they had. Um, Sometimes we struggle to see where Christ is today. So that's my challenge for you, to go through that and to make your ambition to see uh, Christ at work in your life and to live out the will of God in your lives, Uh, because the friendship is brilliant, the fellowship is wonderful, but without Christ at the centre... Um, they'll just be memories and they won't be long-lasting and you won't bear that fruit in your lives that you've been talking about on camp. As James uh, writes, we were looking at what James wrote earlier. Um, We should be wise and that that wisdom extends to uh, the things that we choose to aspire and to hold in esteem. So my challenge for everybody tonight is to consider uh, your ambitions and to ask yourself if they're in line with God's will for your lives, and if not, to allow yourself to be changed and be encouraged that change is possible because of Jesus and what he's done. The other thing that I thought about ambition, the things that we're ambitious about, is um, that uh, apart from the ambition of following God wholeheartedly, there's always a risk, and that risk is failure. Whatever our earthly ambitions are, there's always a risk of failure. And yet if you choose to make God, following God, your number one ambition, if you choose to put God at number one in your lives, then you won't fail. So may our ambition be to live out the perfect will of God in our lives. Amen.